We're going to pick up where we left off with the armor of God. Just a couple of more weeks on this. But I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you found it beneficial. This particular week, I found beneficial because, to be honest with you, last Sunday, I, I was going through an attack and uh, was really struggling. And um, you'll find out I, it was, I, I didn't realize I needed this piece of equipment, so it's kind of interesting how God works. And I really needed this, this message a week ahead of last week to help me because uh, it's exactly what the struggle that I was going through. And I believe there might be others here going through a struggle uh, as well. So uh, we want to look at Ephesians 6. And most of this has been for the believer, obviously. These messages have been for believers because the believer has the has the uh, potential to put on the whole armor of God. And so if you got your Bibles, go to Ephesians 6. And uh, today we're going to kind of look at this. How many uh, with these new cars? Uh, not long ago, we bought a car and I know my mom did. And one of the things when my mom bought a car, I know this guy did like this uh, long tutorial now orientation on a car because of how many features are on a car, Right. I mean, it's not like it used to be, just go get in the car, gas it up, and go. I mean, now it's got like all kind of stuff, navigation, this, Sirius FM radio. It's got everything in the world in there. They're like, like you've got buttons and things, and so a lot of times now they'll take, and take you out to the car and go through all this field to show you how everything works. And uh, there was this uh, guy that I was uh, listening to tell a story about that, and he said that he bought a new car, and he was uh, mentioning the fact that one day, all of a sudden, he's driving down the road, and I know this feature because it's kind of, his might be a little more advanced than what ours is, but I remember when we bought our car, this had a similar feature, but they showed us ahead of time. I don't particularly use it. My wife does. Sadly, I don't use all the benefits that I could have on the car, uh, but uh, uh, but I should. And this guy, though, he, he one day was driving down the road in his new car, and he hit the cruise control, and all of a sudden when he hit the cruise control, the steering wheel started turning, and the car started braking by itself and doing everything on its own. And he said, I had been driving this car for months, and he said, I, I was kind of ticked off because he said, I realized I've been using my feet all this time to drive this car with, and I had an autopilot button, and I didn't have to drive the car with right see that makes my wife mad too she loves to sit there and drive a cruise and like not have her feet on the pedals and all that kind of thing she wants to chill out and relax and hours when the guy got in it he said all right now what I want you to do is I want you to put it on cruise control and I want you to just Take your feet off, and I don't want you to do anything. Even when you're coming to the uh, to the uh, uh, to stop, and there's a car in front of you, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You got insurance on this? Or are we going to jail if I wreck this car?" And he's like, "And and I mean, and when you don't do it, all of a sudden the car." sees and knows that there's a car in front of it and it breaks automatically by itself and when it gets through it accelerates back up all by itself and that's what this guy was saying I didn't realize that I had this feature on my car and I would have been using it all this time and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today last week I didn't realize the feature that I had that that is really there and I should have had it on my head last week and uh and I did it and so we're going to look at in the spiritual realm God wants us to use all that is available to us he wants us to use every everything that is available and he tells us that we have a lot available 
available. So let me hit real quick over Ephesians 6, uh, go through these verses real fast. Finally, be strong in the Lord, because you've heard them every week, and the power. Put on the full armor of God, so that that would be like having, having the car with this feature on it, but you don't, you don't know it's there or you don't use it. We need to know it's there, and we need to take full advantage of it. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse, uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, uh, then he gives us the articles that we ought to put on. Then stand firm with the belt of truth, which we looked at, around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. We talked about the breastplate. We talked about the heart and the emotions that, if they're not covered, it deals with that. That faith, when the emotions begin to get out of whack we, ha- we need to have this on and then your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and then today take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God but let- go to Ephesians 1 and 3 because this is that that I was talking about was like our Christian journey where, where, where we where Paul said, you've got some things available to you and I want to give you the orientation and show you what's available to you and you need to start using these spiritually. And here's what he says, praise be unto God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with some, a little bit, every, all, all, every spiritual blessing in Christ. I mean, he's saying this car is loaded, baby. It is loaded to the gills now in Christ, right? You have every spiritual blessing that is in Christ now. Go to the next verse. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. So Paul says, you have every spiritual blessing available to you. And now he's going to pray something. He's going to pray that you understand that you have these spiritual blessings. That you get the eyes of your understanding enlightened. That you don't just stay in the natural and the fleshly realms, but you start operating in the spirit. Go to the next verse. I keep asking that the God of our Lord and Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Go to the next verse. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His people. Look at what the next verse says. And is incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength, he says, that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. So Paul begins to say, uh, he opens up with this incredible, unbelievable statement in Ephesians 1, and he begins to say, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, and then he goes into this prayer, and he says, give them a supernatural enablement, give them supernatural sight, so that they can be able to see in the flesh uh, what what is available to them, that what kind of riches are found in Christ Jesus, and what kind of spiritual blessings are found in them, and and Paul urges them uh, to, to use these different 
different privileges. Use the cruise control. Use the autopilot. Use the things that are available to you that you would, can't, couldn't see before in the natural. But now God is manifesting them to you so that you can be able to see. And when he keeps writing the book of Ephesians, he comes down to the armor of God and he's saying this is part of that blessing. This is part of what you couldn't see before in the flesh, but you need to see and now need to be using and utilizing because the Christian life is a new life in Christ, and now we have the ability to tap into these things. We have ability to tap into the supernatural. And so today we're going to find out how do we use the autopilot? How do we use the helmet of salvation? How do we tap into this supernatural uh, 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 gift? How do we, how do we, uh, when we, because it's about an, a specific attack that comes on you. This particular weapon is about a specific attack that comes against the believer and you need to put on. And where do you think this attack goes? Any good wild guesses? The mind, right? The mind. We need a helmet to cover the mind. And that's where this specific attack is going right here by the enemy. But it's not just thoughts of doubt, as we're going to see. We're going to find out in Romans uh, 13 here shortly. And we're going to find out in uh, another place uh, that this is not just thoughts uh, of doubt in the mind. But it's actually a specific attack. And this is when you have this specific attack, you need to put on the helmet so that you can be able to stand against against the wiles of the devil and keep moving forward. So let me go to a prayer of a man that is dealing with this specific attack in the Word of God. And let's see if any of you have dealt with this attack lately, like I did last week and like I have done so many times before. But now I see the secret to it is the putting on this helmet. I have, I have, now I see, I've been fighting this Terry in the flesh. Like I tried just to get through it last week in the flesh. But now I understand, hey, there's an autopilot button. There is something found in Christ, Russell, that I can put on to help against this now. And so I, t- I, got, I guarantee you that's what I've been praying this week, God. I want the helmet on my I want the helmet on my mind. I want, I want to be able to fight off this attack. So let's look at this man in Psalm 73, and I want you to look at the attack that is coming specifically against this man. Listen to what he says in verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Surely God's good to the pure in heart. Surely God is good to Israel. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Right? Right? Come on. Y'all alive? Y'all ever get mad because you're doing everything right, but everybody around you is prospering? All the wicked are prospering? Come on. Right? So, so, so uh, we're, we're doing things and, and praying and worshiping and consecrating our life to God. We're witnessing. We're doing sermons. We're trying to reach people for God. And does it get better? No, it gets worse. But it seems like the, the, the people who are out there that are arrogant and that are, that are continuing on, they're, they have, they're free from burdens, it feels like. Well, we're plagued with burdens. So they're free from common human bur- burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. They're, from their uh, callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten... Op- 
of oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people uh, turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure and I've washed my hands of innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. He's saying, he's saying uh, I, this has been going on in my heart, but I'm not going to tell everybody around me in the congregation because they look like they're being blessed and I'm not going to bring them down with my troubles. Right? So I'm just going to keep this secretly inside and I'm not going to share this with anybody around me. So he says, all day long I've been afflicted and every morning bring new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their final destiny. I love the Bible. I love that the Bible tells truth. I'm like a realist, man. I love to read the Word of God and just see that it just, it just tells the truth, man, about uh, what's going on. And, uh, and, and this psalmist says, I've kept my heart pure. But he says, I've kept my heart pure, Gabe, in vain. He said, I feel like I've kept my heart pure in vain. I've been dealing with personal and internal uh, accusation against God. He, said, God I've, he basically said, God, I've interceded. Uh, I've been in intercession every single day. I've consecrated my life to see your kingdom be advanced. I've sought you. And it's all been worthless. It's, it, it just, it's all been worthless. What's the use? Uh, what, 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 I've preached and preached and preached and preached. I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed and prayed. And the seats don't fill up. They empty out. The people don't change. They go further into debauchery. And this psalmist is just saying, he's just being real with God. He's dealing with this temptation. And the temptation he's dealing with is to give up. Do you hear me? The temptation is to give up. He's not giving up on God. He's not giving up on prayer. But he's just going to come sit in the seat. And he's going to give up trying any, any, to press on through. Because why? What's the use? And so he's at a point where he's really at the place where he's wanting to give up. And that's where he said, if I had spoken out like that, if I'd have really spoken out what was going on in my heart, I would have betrayed your children. Uh, The struggle in this man's prayer is real. God, I don't want to continue to fight anymore. That's what he's saying. I don't want to continue to fight for my country. I don't want to, in prayer, I don't want to continue to fight for the leaders. I, I, I put away the flesh by mortifying the deeds for all these years I want to be a vessel which your spirit moves through and I've been doing this and doing this and doing this but God I don't want to continue the fight anymore I pray I intercede but nothing happens and yet the wicked still increase in power and he says things are actually beginning to become worse they're amassing more they're laughing at God 
They're mocking the things of the Lord. And all this is going on in me, but I did not tell anybody because I don't want to discourage them. That's what the psalmist is saying. That's what he's praying right here. This is the specific attack that is going on in this man. It's like a person who comes into church. They sit in their seat and they say, I like this place. I know the pastor is preaching well. I agree with everything that he's saying. God's revealing more and more to me. But no matter what I seem to do, nothing is changing in my life. Nothing is changing in my church. Nothing has changed in my community. And I'm to the point now where I'm just going to wave the white flag and surrender. Come on, anybody ever felt like that? I'm just going to wave the right flag and just surrender. So he, he, he says, I wouldn't say any of this out loud because I wouldn't want to discourage other people. But this is in my heart. And, and, and Paul speaks in Galatians 6 and 9 and he says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now why would somebody get weary? Let's ask that question. Why would somebody get weary? Well, when we see the wicked constantly being able to gain ground, that would make us weary, right? When we see injustice encroaching all over our land, when we see lawlessness, and we're in a place where we're praying, we're seeking the Lord, we're crying out for it to change, and the enemy always comes in a moment like that, and the enemy, Raymond, always comes at that particular point and begins with this attack and begins to whisper in our ears. He begins to always come with the same attack. What are you doing? What are you doing, Brad? Why are you continuing on? Why are you giving so much? Why are you devoting so much? Why do you spend so much time in these sermons? Why do you spend so much time in the week interceding? Why are you doing all this? Why are you sacrificing like this? And he always comes with that same tactic and that same word to the mind, give up. Why do the ladies, why teach, Margaret, everybody? Why keep doing it? When things don't seem to go the way we think they ought to be going and people's lives transforming and, and, and more people coming, it seems as though the opposite begins to happen and the enemy always comes with that attack. Give up. That's exactly what he did in the book of Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews and it seems to just really speak to us right now because that's the same tactic that the enemy came against this church in the book of Hebrews with. They were at a place where they were coming on under heavy persecution, they were cut. They were beginning to be cut off. They were losing their wealth. They were uh, once they converted to Christianity, they were normally you would go to the uh, the synagogues and you would go to uh, uh, the temple, and that was your welfare system of the day. If you needed help, you would go there. But once you became a Christian, you were cut off from the, the welfare system of the day, and you were told, "Nope, you have to now go to your own." And so you would have to go to the other Christians to get help from but guess what the other Christians have been cut off too so they don't have anything either and so all of a sudden persecution is not retreating they're praying they're interceding they're asking God to help they're asking God to turn the nation they're asking God to move mightily they're asking God to do something different and all of a sudden rather than things getting better and rather than the persecution subsiding the persecution is getting worse it's getting more difficult it's getting harder and all this is beginning to happen and all the while Satan is coming into their mind and saying why do you keep going you might as well go back to Judaism. It was easier. Isn't that what the whole book of, of, of Hebrews was written about? That's what it was about. Go back. 
Why don't you just go back? Go back to Judaism. Go back to the sacrifices. Go back to the, to the temple. Go back to where you were. And why do you keep going down this road? Why do you keep on doing it? Quit. And, and, and so this is a temptation to abandon, uh, n- not to abandon God uh, and not to go back into the world, but, it, but it's just a temptation to hold a form of religion, but to deny the power of God. He really is not going to do anything about it. So why continue to pray? Why continue to intercede? And so we're tempted then to just come in and say, I'm done. I'm not going to teach anymore. I'm not going to do anything at the church. I'm not going to. I'm just going to. But yeah, yeah, I believe in God. I'm going to come. I'm going to sit on the pew. I'm going to agree with the preacher. I'm going to do my religious duty, but not believe that any real transformative thing is going to take place in my life, my children's life, my community, my neighborhood, or all around me. So what is the answer? The answer is what God showed me this week. You need to put on the helmet of salvation. You need to put on the helmet of salvation when this attack comes. God has supplied something for us. He has supplied something supernatural for us to put on when this attack comes. So let's look at two points real quick before we move on to our graduates. Number one, what is the helmet of salvation? And number two, how in the world do we actually put it on? How do we put it on? So that's what we're going to look at. You say, duh. Salvation. Salvation. Helmet of salvation, right? I mean, that seems like that's easy enough. Well, it's not because that's not the salvation, Paul. When, when we think of the salvation that we're thinking about right now, we're probably thinking of past salvation. He has saved me from my sin, right? He has saved me from my sin, but the presence of sin is still here, right? It's not gone. I'm still dealing with temptation. I'm still dealing. I may, I may mess up uh, tomorrow, God forbid. The presence of sin is here, but He has forgiven me of all my sin. We talked about that with the breast when my emotions whack out and say, man, I messed up yesterday. I'm not saved anymore. I put on the breastplate of, uh, uh, of righteousness because I have. He took my, He imputed to me righteousness. He took my rags and gave me righteousness. So now I can say to those emotions of my heart, no, you're wrong, devil. I'm saved from the past. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm born again. And, I, and, I, and I'm forgiven. And so we can put that on. But he, Paul is talking about something besides that. There's three tenses of salvation. There's a past salvation that we just talked about where we're saved from the wrath of God. We have been, we, our sins have been forgiven. He died on the cross for that to put those sins away. But there's a present salvation right now. There is a reality that there is a Holy Spirit that has now come into the believer's life. And the Holy Spirit Spirit is, 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 is setting me apart. The Holy Spirit is giving me power to change. He is transforming my life from image to image and glory to glory. Every single day, I'm being saved. I'm being changed. I'm being transformed. And He has started to work and He is continuing to work. He is sanctifying me day by day by day by day. So in that sense, we are presently being saved. And then the Bible speaks of a future salvation and that is what Paul is writing when he talks about putting on this helmet of salvation and he mentions the word salvation how do you know that well I'm glad you asked go with me or look on the screen at 1st Thessalonians 5 and verse 8 1st Thessalonians 5 and verse 8 there's coming a day 
where we will be saved from ourselves. Oh, glory. Come on. Don't you hate yourself sometimes? Get sick of yourself for what it does? There's one day, Brad Lindsay, this old self is going in the ground. And we're gonna, I'm going to finally be free. And, and, and so uh, we're going to be saved from that. And so Paul is talking about our future here. And this is the key. You need to really get this. This is life transforming if you'll get it. I know these truths sometimes don't just appeal to our flesh. I know y'all wanna, we want to hoop and holler. But this right here, will, this will sustain you in the days ahead. This will keep you right here. Listen, first th- this ought to cause you to shout and hoop and holler. First Thessalonians 5.8, listen to what he says. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love a- as a breastplate. And look at this. And the hope of salvation as a helmet. Aren't we already saved? So why am I hoping? See, three tenses. Past. Present, and now we're talking about a future hope of when we finally, the presence of sin is gone. When Jesus appears and it's all done away with. When these old bodies put on new bodies and, we're, and this mortal puts on immortality and we're changed and finally we have this future. That's the hope we're hoping for right now, right? I've been saved from sin. I've been saved. My sins are washed. They're under the blood. But, but, but I still wrestle in this body. But one day soon and very soon, I have a hope that one day, Alina, I am going to put off this body of death and man, I'm never going to struggle with anything again because God is going to put away the presence of sin. It's not even going to be around. Look at what Paul writes in Romans 13, 11 when he talks about this salvation again. And do this, understanding the present time that the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Again, aren't we already saved? Well, yes and no. Because again, there's three tenses. There's a past, there's a present, and there's a future. And when Christ comes, our future salvation comes. And that's the day when there'll be no more shame in our relationship. There'll be no more manipulation. I won't, try to, my, I won't be tainted by the flesh. I'll have a new body, Cindy. And I won't try to manipulate you with my emotions or my feelings or feeling sorry for me or all these things. There will be a purity in our relationships like no other. There'll be no more manipulating. There'll be no more gentleness. Jealousy, all that will be gone. All the game playing will be gone. And we, we, will, we will have new bodies, God says. He, Paul writes, we'll have new bodies. And it's like the Word of God is talking about this future salvation. But it's like so hard to wrap our minds around because it's so incredible. We have five senses here, Russell. We have five senses there here. But do you know what uh, Jonathan Edwards wrote one time? He said when we get there, it's going to be like thousands of senses. All of a sudden you're going to be like turned on and it's not going to be five senses feeling and smelling and tasting and touching it's going to be like thousands of senses in your soul in your spirit and like colors are going to just boom they're going to explode and like symphonies like you would hear a beautiful symphony at a Met Gala or somewhere like that you can't even imagine what you're going to hear when you have that future salvation of what God's going to unfold those future heavenly choirs and all that's going to be going on in that realm and in that city it's like a blind man trying to explain to a blind man the color of red I mean how do you do it And that's what it's like trying to tell you about our future salvation. 
and what all is in store for us. And the Bible describes it, and I'll give you a little bit. Look at what 1 Corinthians 15, 29 says. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those, what, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day, Paul says. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at what he says. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hope, what have I gained? If I've done all this and there's no resurrection and there's no future hope, this is, this is crazy. This is miserable. What have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us... And he goes on to say what you, what you would do if that's the truth. Party hardy, baby. Let's eat, drink, and die. Right? Let's, let's just be merry. If there is no future resurrection, why have I fought wild beasts? Why do I pray? Why do I intercede? Why do I come here every Sunday? I ought to be at the lake, at the beach. I, why do I spend the week trying to get the heart of God to come deliver messages that I hope are going to transform lives and change people's souls? But yet, why, but it seems like sometimes it's doing the opposite. Why would we keep doing that if there is no future hope of salvation? And Paul is saying, I get my strength to keep going. I get my strength to keep praying. I get my strength to keep interceding. I get my strength to quit doing more than just sitting on a pew and saying, I'm done. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to check my religious duty. No way I'm not turning back on God. No way I'm not giving up on the church. But I'm just going to sit here and just, just give up. And he says, the way to quit doing that, the way that I get my strength, the way that I get my uh, keep going is by thinking about future salvation. I put on the helmet of when I think about future salvation it, I put on the helmet of salvation. I, it, it, it gives me a strength. It, 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 it infuses something into my life. It gives me the ability to say you know what? It's rough right now. I'm fighting all kind of things in Ephesus. I'm fighting things here. I'm fighting things there. Things are getting worse. We're being persecuted on every side. However, there is a place coming. Oh my goodness that eye has not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man what God has in store for us. I'm going to keep going. Amen? Amen. And so if you have no future salvation, if, you, if, if you're not saved from the presence of sin, if there's no future salvation, if I'm not going to be saved, Joe, from the sin body one day, then what's the use? Might as well throw in the towel now. And that's what he's saying. But Paul says, keeping this truth in front of me, this reality of future salvation is what infuses me. with the. It compels me to keep going. It compels me to stay. It compelled me this week to get back up and preach again. It compelled me to keep going. It compelled me to decide, hey, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. If one person gets their life transformed, if my life gets transformed through it, it's worth it. Gabe came in there and said, what are you doing? Preaching to yourself? I said, yeah. So maybe this life will get transformed by it. And so this compelling, when we put on the helmet of salvation, it gives us the strength to go outside of these walls to pray, even when it seems like we're gaining no ground. 
And, 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 and so uh, it, it just gives us, it, it causes us to say there's another world. And that other world right now is affected by what I do here. What I do in this world affects that future world one day for me. It affects everything there. So number two, how do I put on the helmet? How do I put on the helmet? I want that strength. You say, Brother Brad, I want that strength. I want that compelling. I want uh, a helmet to help me deal with my mind because that's the, where the attack is. It's in the mind. That's where the enemy is coming. And we're not talking about emotions here because we already dealt with that. We dealt with the heart and the emotions there when we dealt with the shield of, uh, of, of faith. We dealt with that over our heart where we have to go back and get faith. Faith to extinguish the fiery darts that come against our emotions. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about about a different type of attack that comes to the mind that says give up, that says it's not worth it, it's not worth it when you get in this situation, starts messing around with your mind and with your thinking. And Romans 8.18 gives us a little glimpse of what we need to do in order to put it on. And it's that first word, and we had it in one of our other uh, pieces of armor, consider. Consider. Consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is revealed in us. There again, Paul is saying, when this attack comes, consider your future salvation. Consider that the glory that we're going, the, the future sufferings, the future things we are going through now are not worthy to be compared with what is to be coming. What he's basically saying, how many in here is in the business world? One person? One Come on, two. Yeah, come on. A couple of you. In the business world, there are what's called, if you went to buy a business, you would look at two things. Or to find the value of a business, you would look at expenditures and you would look at assets. Amen. The businessman's telling me I'm right on the money. Expenditures and assets. What that used to be called, from my dad, the accountant, a ledger. You would get your ledger, right? You would get your ledger out and you'd have columns. And you'd put in one column your, your, your expenditures, what you're going to spend. And then you would put in another column, you would put what your assets are, how much we got in the bank. And when you total that all out, it'll tell you how much you're worth. And that's what Paul is saying right here. He is saying, I want you to take your ledger out and I want you to look at, at, the, at everything going on here and I want you to compare it with everything going on in that new world to come. And I got news for you. The assets of what's coming far outweigh what's going on right here. So keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Consider the present suffering. Get your ledger out when this begins to happen and realize the present things you're going through. Last week, Brad, your stupid little pity party, your little whining and complaining, get your ledger back out and recognize what you're going through here does not even matter, does not even hold a candle to what is coming in the future. Don't give up, Brad. Don't give up, Margaret. Don't give up, Russell. Don't give up, uh, Phil. Don't give up, Steve. Keep going. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Get your ledger out and write it down and keep your mind because every time you do that, the helmet of salvation is coming on. And now you can stand against the devil's schemes. And now you can stand in the hour that we're living in. And, 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 and there's been times, man, that we're all, and we're going to see it again. Do you know the crazy who? 
You know who the who is? Horton hears a who? The World Health Organization brought to you by China and so many other people. Do you know last week they've declared we got a new pandemic coming just in time for the elections? Get ready. Right? So, so, so things are coming. Things in this world are never going to be the same. There's all kind of turmoil and things that are going on. Look at, the, look at the debacles on your television. Look at the evil corporations now and things that are coming down the pipe and coming, trying to be forced upon us. And, 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 and there's been times where you, you don't want to be here, right? Smile Light's not here today because you, you turn on the propaganda, you turn on the machine, you turn on it's this one against that one, that one against that one, and, and, and all the problems and all that are going on. Sometimes Satan, it feels like he's really, really winning and he's whispering in our ear in those times, just give up. Why go to church today? What's the point? Why keep going, Brad? Why keep preaching? Why not just check about? Why really press in and spend that time, much time studying when nobody really responds and no, it really doesn't do anything? You preach so long. Just let off the accelerator. I know you're not going back on God. I know you're not going to quit the ministry and all that. But you don't have to be so intense. You could just coast. You can just spend more time with your family. You can spend more time doing other things. Just lighten up. You got messages. You go back and preach. You got 20 years worth of messages. Just start all over from the beginning and just preach those again. Just, just, it could just, why? Why? It's, what is worth it? Quit. But this past week, I went back to the prayer closet and I got my ledger out and I began to just put it up against there and I began to say, wait a minute, devil, I don't care. Let the world fall apart. Let everything get quirky and wacky and, and, and everything else, but, but give me the strength now to keep going. Give me the strength now to, 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 to give me the ability to, to, to get back to the place of prayer, even when things don't seem to be lining up the way I want to. Give me the ability to consecrate myself more. Give me the ability to press in and, and study more, to hear from the Holy Spirit, to consecrate myself, to have an anointing on my life. Give me the ability to turn off the movies that are immoral and that are unlike you. Give me the ability to share in my workplace. Give me the strength. Uh, Lord, give me this. Give me this. Don't don't let the investment that you put in me die out now in this last hour. And so there's this temptation to go back to religious formality, to give up believing for any true transformative change, a change to believe God to save souls even in the darkest hour, to raise the white flag of surrender. That's what he's, want. he's wanting out, out of all of us. But what I want you to do this week is to do what I did last week. Get your ledger out. Go home and say, God, I'm going to think about this future salvation. I'm going to think about that and compare it to my present suffering and I'm going to realize that that is far more better and I want to refocus on future glory rather than what we're dealing with right here. And when you do that, the helmet is coming on and you are getting the strength to keep going in or moving forward in that direction. So, so, so this week I repented of last week and I know y'all saw it. I cut the service off like that. Everybody's like, what's going on? I barely could get out here, but I was having a mind, my mind, Satan was messing with me, and it just happened to be a week before this message, and it really opened up things to me. Let me read one thing in closing. 
Revelation 7. And I want you just to see, and then maybe we'll, what time is it? Let's see where we're at on our time. 45, we're doing good. Let's take five minutes, and then we'll, then we'll take time for our graduates. Just get a, get a song maybe just to play and give a quick time in the altar for people who are fighting this same battle of the mind to want to, want to give up. To want, you're almost waving the white flag. Let's, let's look at what this is. This is your future glory. I just want you to get a glimpse. This is what I, when I say get the ledger out, this is, this is what I want you to go home and do when you're having a day or a week like we had last week. I want you to remind yourself of future salvation and future glory. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. I want you to see that. I want you to think about that. Before, Margaret, we're before the Lamb. Watch where the angels are. They're not before. We're before the Lamb. Look at that. Look how wonderful. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. Now present, past, future belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. And look at what he says. All the angels were standing around. You're before it, man. You're before the throne. You're before the throne. They're standing around. They're standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down in their faces before the throne and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Look at what he says. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? And he says, I answered, Sir, you know. He said, These are those who came out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Look at what He says. And never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. So I don't care what you're going through right now. You can't pay your bills. You're being thrown out of a certain place. Never again when we get to that future place of salvation. The presence present sufferings, let's put it down on our ledger. The present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the future glory that's coming. For the Lamb is at the center of the throne and will be their shepherd. Brad won't be your shepherd, thank God. I make a lot of mistakes. I don't do a lot of what I'm supposed to do. But this shepherd right here is going to be absolutely amazing. And he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. That's future glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May God give you the eyes. Because some of you don't look like you've seen it yet. May God give you the eyes to see it. May God give you the wisdom. And may He give you the revelation. Because some of you look like you're at a funeral parlor. And not in future glory. And you need to see the Lamb that's seated. Like you don't believe it. He is seated there on the throne. And He wipes every tear from our eye. I'm looking forward to that day. I hate when I have days when I come struggling in here. And I can barely walk in the door. And my emotions are a wreck. And I want to give up. And I dread going to work tomorrow. And I dread going here tomorrow. And I dread going there tomorrow. And then I get into the Word of God and begin to read about future. And I feel like the psalmist in 73. Why do they prosper? Why does all this happen? And then I remember there where they are going. And I remember now where I'm going. Future glory. Future glory. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you, God. You're worthy of praise and honor and glory. And Lord, we know the enemy now is using this tactic. We know it's real. The bombardment of news now that comes against us, like Pharaoh in Egypt had taskmasters on those people day and night, day and night, day and night. Where is your future? Where is your hope? Where is your God, Israel? Why is he answering, not answering your prayers? And I know the Satan was in their minds at that moment bringing this attack, bringing this attack. And, and God, by your grace, help us to think about our future salvation, God. Help us to get the strength to, 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 to not stop interceding, to not stop fighting, to to not stop gathering, to not stop consecrating ourselves, to not stop laying down our lives. Give us the strength now to understand this glory and put this before our eyes because God, soon and very soon, we are going to see the face of Jesus. We're going to see the face of Jesus. For real, we're going to see the face of Jesus. Hallelujah. Our salvation will be complete. We're going to play a song real quick. And if God has been speaking to your heart today during this message and you say, I'm dealing with this same temptation. I'm dealing with the temptation to go back just to religious formality, to give up believing for any true transformative power. And I want to believe God to save souls even when darkness is all around. I don't want to raise the white flag. Any longer. I want to keep going. So we're going to play a song. We're going to worship God. And then we're going to move forward into our graduate portion of our. But if you just want to come. Sometimes just coming is, a, is an act of faith, man. It's just saying, God, while the waters are stirring, I'm coming. God, you're dealing with me on this issue. And I'm coming forward, God. Just to say I'm not waving. The, I'm not going to raise the flag of surrender, God. I've been to the place where Satan, I'm not leaving church, and I'm, but, I'm, but I'm just, just not going to keep going forward. It just seems worthless. But today I realize that's a lie, and I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward with the helmet of salvation on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.